Welcome to the Think Education podcast. My name is Christopher Hill. Um, I'm joined today by a colleague from the United Arab Emirates, but from a, a different emirate than uh, than Dubai, where I am based. I'm joined today by Dr. Ahmed Shaban, who's based in Sharjah, just down the road. Um, uh, Dr. Ahmed is the Director of Strategy and Excellence at the Sharjah Private Education Authority. And the main remit of that is regulating licensing uh, within the Emirate of Sharjah and improving quality of education. And it's a, it's a great pleasure to have you on today, uh, um, Ahmed. We've, we've been talking back and forth for a, a little while now about the, the topic um, of today's uh, podcast, which is a fascinating one. Um, and it's going to be linked to a report that your, your agency has, has just published. And we will, we will, of course, link to in the, in the podcast. It's about the four day week. Um, and um, very much looking forward to having a conversation with you about your reflections on the process, um, you know, some of the, the, the motivations behind the, the process, um, and indeed, you know, some of the, the initial findings that the report is, is showing. So, would you mind just giving us a little bit of a background? Because you know, a lot of listeners will will be familiar with the UAE, but perhaps not not too familiar with some of our individual regulatory um, uh, sort of frameworks. Would you mind maybe just as an introduction, giving a sort of a brief outline of what the Sharjah Private Education Authority does, um, uh, so we can sort of set the context of the, of the education, if you don't if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, greetings for everyone and for all the audience. And uh, again, greetings from Sharjah. Um, maybe I can start with uh, a very nice um, uh, intro about Sharjah. Uh, if you are not Arabic speaker, uh, the word Sharjah is very promising and very nice, which means sunrise. It also means the east. It also means um, the sunrise. So it has different meaning. This is what Sharjah means. Um, I'm, I'm director of strategy and excellence in Sharjah Private Education Authority, which we'll, we will name it later on SPIA. So SPIA is the regulatory body for private schools and private um, institutions uh, in Sharjah. This includes uh, schools, um, nurseries, and training centers. Uh, why we are here? We are here for three main reasons, regulating uh, and licensing private education, um, improving the quality of education, and third, and lastly, is attracting investment to Sharjah. Uh, this is who am I and uh, who we are in, in Sphere. That's wonderful. Thank you. And I mean, Sharjah is, um, uh, in that sense, very representative of the Emirates, right? It has a very high expatriate population. I mean, it's, it's sort of close to 90%, something very high 80% of, of population, uh, of expats. Um, uh, and, uh, um, yes, we, we are the second, we are the second when it comes to ge geographical area, and the third when it comes to population, yes. That's right. And um, there's a, similarly, there's a, a private and public school mixture, right? There's, um, there's regulation across the different, different sectors. Um, so your, and your, your work governs all, right, as you said, across all, all the levels. No, we are just uh, regulating the private education. So we are mostly focused on private schools and private nurses. Right. Excellent. That's a great context. And thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And anybody that gets the chance to visit Sharjah, it is a beautiful place. So, you know, we do uh, we do highly, highly recommend um, it. It doesn't Indeed. maybe get as much um, international publicity, I suppose, as Dubai. Right. Or, or even Abu Dhabi as the, as the capital. But uh, it is a beautiful place to, to visit. Um, wonderful. So. Could you um, 
I mean, we've had we've had in the Emirates, we've had some some change about our weekends um, in uh, in the last year. Um, we were uh, we used to follow the the Friday Saturday weekend um, uh, as sort of you know relatively standard um, in in our part of the world, and then in January of last year, is yeah, that right? We yes. we we moved to yes. the I suppose the the more Western Saturday Sunday um, model, um, and then. And then on top of that, um, Sharjah went through a, a conversation about um, a four-day week, um, and then not just a conversation, but an, a sort of a, a policy, right? So, what was the the motivation behind behind the four-day week, and, and who is it applying to? Great question. I think that the, the transition for moving the weekend from Friday Saturday to Saturday Sunday was taken from a federal uh, uh, rule, let's say, in, in UAE, and it was applied in all the Emirates, Saturday, Sunday, to replace Friday, Saturday. And uh, I think also, in a federal level, they added as well the half day of Friday. So it became two days and a half weekend, mm-hmm. four days and a half working day. And um, uh, that was, again, federal. And when it comes to Sharjah and Emirates, and considering the importance of Friday, for Muslims and for the culture and for other purposes as well, uh, the Sharjah transitioned the, the decision to make it four-day work week and three days weekend, considering Friday, Saturday, Sunday as a full-day weekend, mm. which is really great and different as well. And it was applied for all the government entities inside Sharjah, plus all the private as well um, uh, entities running in Sharjah, including private schools and nurseries. And definitely we were impacted by this as a government, as a SPA employees, and also we were impacted by, with this as, as private schools licensed from us. So we ended up by having four-day work week and three days weekend with January 2022. This is uh, where we started. Uh, after one year of implementation, which means that January 2023, beginning of this year, we were thinking to measure the impact of this and to see how good decisions we have um, and the impact on both productivity and well-being. And accordingly, we designed a survey by beginning of the year and we administered the survey January, February 2023. And the results was in the report showing exactly what we measured after one year of implementation. Uh, I think the motivation behind this, that uh, as SPEAR, we were uh, always focusing in our strategy, and it's it's priority number one in the SPEAR strategy. It's uh, improving the well-being and quality of life of learners. And this is exactly our motivation, how we can improve the quality of life and well-being. And we're thinking that utilizing the three days weekend in a proper way and being more efficient in the four-day work week can lead to productivity and better well-being and quality of life for learners and employees. And that was exactly what shown and proved by the study and the survey and the report uh, published recently by SPEAR. So, I mean, that's very interesting um, and it's sort of a, a nice evolution from you know, a sort of, as you say, a, a national change to then sort of make sense of it contextually in Sharjah. Uh, um, obviously, there are there are there's evidence of, of this in, in other countries. But I mean, is this the first such 
I don't want to use the word experiment because it's not, you know, it's obviously fully being implemented. But is this the first such case within the Arab world of the of the four day sort of established? Uh, yes, e- even internationally, by the way, even whatever we, we, we found in the literature review regarding the three days weekend was mostly experiment. We saw experiment in UK and some rural areas in US as well, in France and a couple of other countries, but no one fully implemented this. I think what we have done extra, that we really fully implemented this, and it's one year of measurement, one year of implementation, and then we have uh, measurements that can prove the impact of this. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we'll come back to the measurement indicators in, in a second, because they're obviously, you know, really, really important. Um, I was, having read the report, <clears throat> I was, I was in, really interested in the stakeholders that you engaged in this process, because you, you spent quite a lot of time talking to parents as well, right? And they're, they're such a key, yeah. a key stakeholder. And I think <clears throat> COVID, I think, significantly changed the dynamic of stakeholders in education, right? Because obviously children were at home, teachers were at home. In some case, teachers were at home while their children were in the same room as them and teaching and learning sort of simultaneously. So we had, you know, a lot of, you know, around the world. So um, <clears throat> in terms of the stakeholders, um, how was that sort of approached and where was the, the sort of the, the importance and the preference paced, pre- pre- placed, excuse me, because it's it's a fairly comprehensive view you have, right? I wonder if you could just talk us through that sort of the part of the methodology before we get to the the measurement, uh, if you don't mind. Yes, let me first introduce our stakeholders. We we have uh, hundred thirty uh, licensed private schools. We have um, um, more than twelve thousand of uh, teachers. We have uh, hundred eighty five thousand of uh, learners, which are our uh, students. Um, so this is our stakeholders. We can imagine how big it is. So in our survey, we were focusing mostly on, on the both uh, segments, uh, teachers, the 12,000 teachers we have, and uh, parents, which is representing 185,000 of students. So that was our stakeholders. So we run two different surveys, focusing on different measurement. Um, we have done this uh, as a methodology online. So we send them an email. Uh, it went through from our database to schools and from schools to parents. And for teachers, we send it directly to teachers from our database. We definitely uh, also put another uh, link online in our social media just to encourage also general public to respond. Uh, we requested definitely everyone to identify not his name, but at least where he's from, you know, the, the, the main demographical information, like where he's from, which school his, his son is going to, and uh, some more information about the demographic areas. Uh, that was a methodology, and that was a target segment, uh, what we targeted. Mm-hmm. No, that's very, very interesting. And um, I'm, I'm interested now that, to talk about, the, the obviously, the measurement tools, because there are... Um, you know, thinking about just the sort of idea of a four-day week, um, and thinking about you know a lot of stuff that came out post COVID, and we've seen a, you know a lot of examples of um, obviously during COVID we had no choice. We were all working from home, or you know working from home in a very strong sense, depending on obviously the nature of our of our of our job. Clearly, there were some people who were forced to to work in you know in public, etc. Um, in education, we were essentially all home, um, and then post COVID. A lot of people around the world almost reversed back, you know, which was 
We'd accepted that online learning worked, we'd accepted the distance, we'd accepted this type of flexibility, and then it became a case of, no, 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 now you must be in person in the classroom or in person in the office to prove that you're, you're working or to prove that you're, you're learning. And we know a lot of examples around the world of, of online learning having been necessary during COVID and then essentially being you know, almost reversed post-COVID. So I'm really interested in, in how you constructed your measurement indicators to try to capture you know, people's perspectives and perception of space and time, right? Because on the surface, you could say four days on, three days off, clearly that has a benefit for mental health, right? That has a benefit for family life. That has a benefit for social. Um, But then on the other side, you could say, well, but now we're not really... We're not really doing a full week, right? Because the tradition is a five-day, a five-day week. So, how did you, how did you approach this type of aspect of your research? Mm-hmm. I, I like that you started to talk about COVID, and uh, uh, yeah, although I'm, I'm not very, not very much fan of, of talking about uh, COVID. However, we learned a lot from COVID, and I think one of the really uh, advantage we have uh, from applying the four-day work week after COVID that we really get used and get uh, uh, normal on, on the work-life balance, uh, remote learning, uh, focusing on productivity, focusing on priorities. So for us, it was really the right time after the COVID time because we really get used to a lot of new things, which is our transition from the normal uh, five-day work week to four-day work week. This is one. Um, when it comes to our measurement and our focus, we were really focusing on different topics and number one for us was the quality of life. So we were really trying to think, do you think the four-day work week stressed more uh, uh, learners and teachers or it gave them more time to enjoy the um, weekend, um, enjoy the Emirates and see more things? That mm. was one of the things. What about the, the health aspect of this? Do you think really applying the four-day work week it more, make, make it more difficult for people to manage the stress, uh, the gym, the, the the diet, and so on, or it gives more spaces for the three days weekend for people to enjoy it. Mm. And again, when you think about activities as well, and which is for me really the most valuable part out of the four-day work week, that really now people, and I'm talking about learners specifically, they have more time for activities. And I, I'm talking here about physical activities and also the the, the uh, social activities and a lot of skills that can be developed through the three days weekend. And I think this is uh, the, and if you ask me what's next, I will always think about uh, completing the puzzle was the last part, which is utilizing the three days weekend. Yeah, sure. Utilize it to complement what we started, utilize it to really uh, add value to what we have as of now. But back to your question, quality of life was number one uh, aspect to measure. Uh, also, we thought about the financial ex- financial uh, expenses. So we thought, you know what, like uh, now we reduced the, the transportation, we reduced going to school by almost 20%, one day out of five. That means we are expecting 20% less, less in disease, less in accidents, less in traffic, less in a lot of things. Mm. And you can see it very clearly in Sharjah. If you move here on the three days weekend, you can really enjoy driving in Sharjah, which is not normal, actually, to drive mm. yeah. smoothly in Sharjah for, for three days uh, uh, after each other. Uh, maybe the third, uh, I can also talk about the third uh, aspect, uh, was the skills and productivity. So trying to say, you know what, male and female students, do you think they really uh, got more time now, or get more time now for improving their skills, um, their resilience, time management, problem solving, uh, confidence, in abilities, and so on? 
that was also the third pillar to measure. And the fourth one was the uh, effect on academic achievement. So do you think really the four-day work week is stressful for students, for teachers? Do you think really they can uh, participate in extracurricular activities? They can uh, complete school assignments or no? Do you think teachers can really plan and develop and implement what they are willing to do within four days uh, a week or not? So it was, it was another actually one of the important aspects to measure. So these four topics, four aspects, that, that was the pillars, the main pillars of our survey. And under each one, we have different, different questions trying to deep dive more to get more insights. So as I mentioned, the four pillars is uh, quality of life and well-being. The second one was the financial expenses. Third was the skills and productivity. And lastly, the effect on academic achievement. No, that's that's very interesting, and um, it's a good balance, right? Because the the when you hear uh, this type of concept, you know, even if you just in the first in the first instance you think, "Wow, I get one day off, one extra day off." I mean, that's a positive, right? In terms of the the first response is perhaps, "Oh, great, one day less, one day more with family, one day more to myself, whatever it might be." Um, and of course, that as you say, that that should have very real positive impacts in terms of well-being, you know, social, family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and as you say, in environmental, in terms of the reduced movement um, uh, of, of the school, etc. But then, the counter side of that argument is, hang on, do I now have to do five days in four? And obviously, we know at the school level, with curricula being what it is there's already very little time in a school day and a school week, even when you have the full five days, right? There, there, there are pressures, and this is not unique to Sharjah or the UAE. This is, a, this is an educational issue, right? There are pressures on the constant addition of things and skills and subjects and content and assessment to our students around the world. So what is, what is the sense of the... I, I appreciate it's, you're only one year of findings in, right? So clearly it, it's part of a, a longitudinal study. But I mean, in the sense of, of that particular issue, you know, in terms of how teachers are dealing with the pressures of, of, of fitting in and, and how students are dealing with the pressures of, of, of learning. I mean, has the school day and the four days got longer to accommodate it? How have they managed the material or the content? I mean, do you have a sense thus far about how this is sort of um, being received? Yes, and I, I like this question because it was really challenging for us at the early beginning. And I have to say the first uh, four or five months was really difficult time. And uh, the difficult time came be because we have 10 different curricula in charge. Right. And, yeah. you know, we have German, French, Pakistani, Indians. So we have some of them are really uh, easy way of thinking and adjustment and agile, let's say, uh, curriculum. And some of them are really conservative uh, way of, uh, of, of curriculum, like the Indian and Pakistani curriculum. So, so what we have done in the first five, four or five months, that we were really working hand in hand uh, with the schools, focusing on how to adjust. So definitely as a starting point, we extended the day by one hour more. So this one hour more gives teachers and schools more time to shift whatever we have, we have in the fifth day to the fourth day. We also minimize a bit um, the breaks on the days. And thirdly, we also minimized a bit the vacations. So when it comes to the two weeks uh, summer break or spring break or autumn break or whatever, we make it a little bit shorter compared to Abu Dhabi and Dubai and other Emirates. So for us, we use these three steps just to ensure 
that whatever we have in the five days can fit on the four day. Mm. And definitely we, we take one year to try and it was one year for that reason to ensure that the 10 different curricula would be able to fit. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it was a challenge for some of them. It was easy transition for some of them. But after one year, I think we were running very smoothly with, with all of them. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that there is the point that within, uh, which we talked about at the beginning, within the Emirates, when, when we shifted from the, the Friday-Saturday to the Saturday-Sunday week, many schools on Friday was a half day. So I suppose many schools had, had already gone from a five-day to a four-and-a-half-day, right? So, they, they you know, um, uh, I mean, in Dubai in particular, right, that, that shift had already happened, and so there'd been that sort of re- reduction, um, but with no addition to the, the school days in the four-and-a-half. Um, so that was a, a, a pressure. So by extending the, each of the four days by one hour, you essentially cover the time that the Friday half day would have been, I suppose, right? More or less. It's so the actual mm-hmm. student contact hours. Okay, and I mean, so you talked then about the administrative and the operational challenges of, of as you say, the multiple international curricula. Um, and it's not surprising that different ones can cope can cope in different ways. Um, do you have a sense of, of what this is like for in the classroom, you know, in terms of the... Um, the teaching and learning uh, activity um uh, and and do you have a sense in in your research um if this differs across age groups you know uh, you know is it easier for the younger children harder for the younger children do you do you have a sense of that yet or is this still sort of part of the ongoing conversation uh, i have to say that we have we have a specific department which is school improvement advisor advisors there are different advisors um, splitted based on the curriculum and they're all visiting schools during different, you know, cycles, different timing, all over the year, just to ensure that the, the transition is moving in a smooth, uh, smooth way. And uh, what we saw that it was easy transition for all of them, and I think everyone's trying to compare the the time of COVID with the time of the four-day work week, because we were doing this in the COVID while we're sitting at home. So now it's much easier and better because we are in a better environment, just focused, condensed time. Um, we also noticed some challenges. I I have to say that some of the teachers are really mentioning this in our survey as uh, managing the day in four days is not an easy time. The schedule is really stressed. Um, Parents also mention this in a way or another. However, I can see that it's clear trade-off because really people accepted the stress and accepted the, the, the condensed day. At the same time, it's not impacting their productivity and measurement because we can see the measurement that, for example, uh, in the latest um, uh, school reviews, uh, we found out that we have improvement, almost 68% improvement. (laughs) So I have to say 68% improvement. That means seven out of 10 schools improved. Improved means moved from good to very good, from acceptable to good. And I think this kind of improvement cannot show if we have challenges on the on the on the uh, on the field on the ground mm. so what i'm trying to say that it, it was really challenging however people could manage it and i think they could find the good part out of it which is being agile being um uh, uh competitive advantage thinking on the half cup full let's say and at the same time um uh, making priorities inside the class for the full day and keeping some of them for the three days uh, uh, on the weekend uh, it doesn't mean that kids are 
really running without anything for three days. I think they have some homework, some assignments to do. But you know how it is when it's at home, it's much easier when it's uh, uh, already uh, managed in your own time, better than going to school and staying in school. So it's, it's, I have to say it's a good balance and good trade-off between teachers and learners. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... Obviously, there's, there's, as you say, there's always going to be that, that trade-off. There's going to be the, the balance, right? There's, there's the, and it's not going to suit, clearly, it's not going to suit everybody. There will be, there will be those that are massively in favour and those hugely against with any, with any policy de- decision. But, I mean, it's, it's very encouraging that the construct of mental health, of well-being, you know, is, is, uh, is absolutely there. Because, I mean... Otherwise, the the simple seventy percent productivity would be sufficient to make the change, right? If you can make the argument, well, we can we can reduce the costs of transport while increasing productivity. You know, you almost don't think about the human aspect; you just take it as a as a financial line. But you know, when we're dealing with young people and we're dealing with, you know, their learning environment needs to be conducive to learn. Otherwise, we're not really doing anything valuable, right? We're just putting them through a factory of of school. Um, um, is this part of um? Uh, you will continue to monitor this. This will be part of the the survey. Sort of, you know, you'll have annual um, uh, data collection processes. Is that is that the the, the plan, or, or is that ongoing? Yes, I suppose. The, the, yeah, I, I mentioned the, the I mentioned the well being and the quality of life as a first priority in our strategy. And last year we launched our uh, well being framework. And part of the well being framework and the initiative from SPA, we are also measuring the well being. So one of the continuous measurement that we are measuring all the, the time is the well-being of learners and teachers. And this, I think, by time, every year we'll have a measurement. It will show how things are moving, considering the baseline, what we have as of now, and how things are getting better year by year. This is what the, the second measurement also we are trying to measure uh, this year is a trust and quality of education, which is mm. a new kind of measurement because everyone is measuring quality of education, satisfaction, and other measurement. But to measure the trust is a bit new in education. So we are also taking the initiative to measure this and also to, to ensure that we are, what we are doing on the ground is really maintained and having the right impact for both teachers and parents and students. Oh, that's, yeah. fasc- that's fascinating. It's, and it's, it's such a, an interesting conversation within education, this, this, this trust, right? Because it's linked to perception of quality. It's linked to experience. True. Obviously, it's linked to cost. Um, uh, and any time there's a major reform, there's naturally going to be um, <laughs> changes in perception, I guess, right? Um, uh, and and that's why I, I think it's so interesting that your you, as in you and your agency and and the, and the Emirates are have used COVID for a positive evolution. So, you know, as I said before, in many cases, we've seen a reversal. You know, we, you know, oh, COVID, you know, COVID was just something we had to hopefully get through, but we're just now going to go back to things exactly as they were before COVID and, and not think about anything that we've learned, you know, good, you know, et cetera, from, from the process. And it's, I think it's very interesting to try and leverage the COVID experience, but also the weekend shift, which, you know, obviously means that your case is somewhat unique, right, with those variables, Um is it, do you think, is there something that other, um, not just other Emirates or other Gulf states, but I mean, are there, you know, are your findings and your, your process, this is something that could be exportable. This is something that other countries, other educational sectors could look to 
if not copy, certainly learn from? I mean, uh, you know, is there a sense of, of, of the fact that you, you're, you're building something that is a, a potential international framework? Yeah, this is one of the surprising, actually, effects we, we found when we launched our survey and our results as well online, that different organizations all over the world approached us. And for me, it was new to, to know that there is uh, an, a kind of NGO in Ireland uh, under the name of Four Day Work Week. And the same we found out in Canada as well. And they both approached us to learn more from what we are doing. We also saw uh, Saudi Arabia is taking some steps uh, towards the same direction. And even we hear this in social media as well. So I think it's a kind of international move. Let's say it's not just a local move. Mm. And what I can see also supporting the same direction, as you mentioned, the word reform. I think also education is reform and also... Uh, um, evolving as well because I can see very clearly that now it's not anymore focusing on uh, exams and tests and the traditional way of learning it's more about skills life skills cognitive skills uh, personal skills which is I think the, the big shift that we have to focus as learners and as educators and as schools in our next step and back to your earlier question about our next steps we have a lot of next steps coming. And, and I think one of the really important points to consider is to promote the extra uh, curricular activities and partnerships. We are really trying to say now we have schools which is closed for three days. This school is full of activities and full of facilities. Why not to utilize this properly on the three days weekend? Why not to wake up at morning as a parent, um, get your mobile, check the application, and see what is the nearest school was what kind of activities they're offering and you can drive your son or let your son go and spend the day over there and whatever activities your son would like it could be robotics it could be coding it could be uh, sports football basketball whatever it is but i think it's it has a lot of great impacts on 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 both productivity and well-being for students as well wow that's fantastic thank you and i mean it's i really appreciate your 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 time, your reflections, um, and as I said, the, the the report has has more specific data in it in terms of the you know the the responses um, that you received, um, and we will link that report um, and indeed link your your agency to to this podcast so that people can have a chance to to follow up, um, and um, hopefully we can we can have another conversation you know. Uh, down the line when you've got you know increased understanding, increased data of of, of how things are are, are moving. Um, so, um, Ahmed, thank you very much indeed for, for your time and, and all the expertise that you've shared. And uh, we wish you luck and we will watch this space with, with interest um, and see to the extent to which you, you already mentioned Saudi, but, you know, the extent to which, you know, on a personal level, this moves, you know, perhaps within the Emirates. Um, um, and that might be, uh, might be something that, that potentially happens in the, in the near to medium future. So thank you very much indeed for, for your time and uh, for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure, my pleasure, and uh, looking forward for the next podcast with you as well about one more interesting topic. <laughs>